It's me, it's Johnny D, the Motivational Cowboy, with this week's Outstanding Life podcast. And today in the studio with me, we have somebody I went to high school with, Brian Dalton. What is going on, my friend? Not a whole lot. I'm really excited to be here. I haven't seen you in about four years. I was going to say, the last time I saw you, I did a speaking gig for your school. Yeah, you were kind enough to come out to see my students, and they had a great time uh, with the message that you gave us, and uh, it was great to experience. It was, you know, I hadn't seen you since 1989 up to that <laughs> right. point. So, hey, you, you didn't have to start leaving people uh, uh, years, and uh, now they're like doing the math in their head, going, "How old are these guys?" <laughs> because not- on social media, I'm still 48 <laughs> years old. <laughs> it's- I'm not worried about the mileage. <laughs> hey, so man, I, I asked you to come for, for a reason. One, uh, you got a book coming out, and I'm super pumped to talk about that. But I want to know your story. After high school, you went off to college, and you became a teacher. Absolutely. Is, is teaching something that you always wanted to do, or is teaching something that found you, or did you fall into it? Like, Why did you want to become a school teacher? I think it's a combination. Uh, you know, in college, I, I'm not going to lie, the first couple of years, I, you know, just took classes, didn't really have a direction. And uh, at that point, uh, my guardian at the time said, well, let's look back at, you know, your high school years. Let's go through your jobs. He goes, you were a camp counselor. I said, yep. <laughs> he said, you were a uh, kind of like a lifeguard safety guy with kids. And I said, yep. He says, you were an ump for kids games and baseball. I said, yep. He goes, are you seeing a correlation here yet? And I said, not really. And he goes, well, let me narrow it down for you. He goes, every job that you've had in high school has dealt with working with kids and helping them become better at something or to learn something or to take care of them. Are you with me now? And I said, well, kind (laughs) of. And he goes, teacher, Brian, you would be great at teaching kids. Yeah. I said, okay. So anyway, I, you know, then, then I had a goal. I had a focus in college and I, and I rocked out the degree and, and I've did you like it. school? Did I like college? Yeah. I, oh, I loved college. You did. Yeah. Now, was it because of the partying, or was it because you liked school? Uh, just like you don't <laughs> want people to know the age, we're gonna keep we're, <laughs> we're gonna hold off on that. But um, so twenty four years. This is like my twenty fourth, twenty fifth year coming up teaching. So wow. you could not do this job, especially with teenagers who I teach, if yeah. you didn't love it. Yeah. You, you yeah. would burn out. So let me ask you this. I mean, so so you go to college, you become a teacher. When you do you remember that that first year yeah. of, of of being a teacher vividly and 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 it wasn't as tough as I've heard that it is um, or I should say scary well I re- <laughs> I remember that it wasn't really scary and I I do I remember those kids all 140 of them their their faces are etched in my in my mind I remember their names <laughs> but anyway let me tell you the first so you set your classroom up we go in we set our classroom up and the first memory I have was some parents walking past my room as I'm setting my room up for the school year. And this one mom said, my God, they're, they're making them younger each and every year. <laughs> and it took me a minute to kind of to take on what she was saying. I was like, huh, I don't think she thinks that I'm going to be able to teach her kid. <laughs> but anyway, that, that memory I'll, I, I take with me, and uh, it's actually a fond memory that I have. So you've been doing it for over 20 years. So did you get to a point that being a teacher – was starting to get to you a little bit? You know, um, 
it's funny, and I even mentioned it in the book. I think it's in the foreword, actually, that um, I don't want anyone to misconstrue when there's when I have struggles in teaching. It never ever is my kids. They're my right. they're my babies. Yeah. Now you get into the out the outside world. I just think there's too many cooks in the kitchen. Yeah. And you got too many people that think they know. It's, it's political, right? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> just like in anything else. But they don't ask who needs to be. Ask the kids. Yeah. What do you enjoy about? Ask the teacher, whoever, whoever has a vested interest and is in, uh, in the scenario. Yeah. Ask them. Just do it. <laughs> so I remember in high school that you loved playing guitar. Oh, I do. Yes. So, so, so let me ask you this. Did you ever lose the, the um, inspiration to play guitar? Never. Okay. Did you ever, you know, take the guitar and um, I, I, I think of like uh, teachers like, in movies and stuff. Mm -hmm. And they would always do something a little bit different. And then all the other teachers would get pissed off, <laughs> right? Because yeah. you were a little bit different. Have you ever brought your guitar into the class to help teach a lesson? I do it uh, every year and multiple times during really? the year. Yeah, the kid, well, the kids love it. Let me tell you something about music I want to make sure I get out <laughs> and, and why I use it. Whether yeah. I'm playing or whether I use music from artists or bands that I admire and respect, mm -hmm. um, I don't care what you believe in, but whatever Grand Design made us said that a beat was pretty dang important. Right, right. When that beat's gone, we're done. Yeah. And music can reach parts of our mind, our soul, whatnot, unlike anything else. It can lift your spirits. It can take you to other places. It affects very specific areas of your brain. And that's why music in any way, shape, or form that I can incorporate into my life or my students' lives or my own children's yeah. lives and my wife, I'm there. I love it. Do you it. remember the first time you grabbed your guitar and said, I'm taking my guitar to school today? Yeah, and I did. <laughs> and, and I did. And I actually did. Uh, I did this thing where, I, if you don't mind, I'm going to share it with you. All right. All right. Yeah, all right, absolutely. All right, let, me grab my, let me grab my guitar. All right. All right. Now, ladies and gentlemen, those of you that can't see what's going on right now, he is literally grabbing his guitar. It is an acoustic Fender. We call her Baby Blue. Baby Blue. All right. All right. So anyway, and I haven't tuned it or anything, but you'll get the point of it regardless. So I tell my students and anyone that you know I'm talking to, whether I'm presenting or whatnot, in fact, this is one of the things that I often do, um, you can... So let's pretend you're my students. And I'll say, you can go through life and you can play the notes. So, and those are fine. So right. you have, you know, I have a D, G, or D, C, G. And those are all fine and dandy. You know, you can do that. It just, to me, when I search for ways to teach my kids or how to raise my own children or how, when I go into a race or whatnot, I want to experience as much of what this life has to offer because, we don't get a chance at a rerun. Right. Absolutely. All right. So you can go through life doing the notes and that's fine. But if you bring in, if you work together, if you work together as a class, if you work together as a family, if you work together with your elements when you're training, whether it's the water, the bike, running, whatever, take in what's around you. And all of a sudden, instead of going through life like that, and you bring in the notes that work with the chords, then all of a sudden you got something like, you know... All of a sudden, the DCG turns into, well, I can't take credit for it. Obviously, it's a phenomenal song, More Than the Feeling by Boston. Right. But, you know, that's the thing. It is a G. You know, all of a sudden can turn into something like... 
And again, it just it's more beautiful. Yeah. It's more poetic. It's more yeah. and and that wasn't mine either. That's Silent Lucidity by Queensryche. Right. So just in case anyone, but um I that is how I try to experience this, you know, short life that we have. I don't want just the notes. I want everything that I can experience with it. So instead of swimming and saying, crap, I'm in the water and this, you know, I'm tired of swallowing seawater and I'm tired of getting kicked in the face or whatever. I'm like, I'm doing something in this beautiful setting that a lot of people would never think of doing. And I take it in. Right. And it's a beautiful experience. And I just happen to find life to be far more tolerable, enjoyable and doable by doing so. So, so have the kids always enjoyed you bring in the guitar? Oh yeah. They have, they, you know, you know, Mr. Dalton, Mr. D, play this. Do you know this song? Do you know this song? And if I and if I don't, then I'll go home and I can figure it out pretty quick. And you know, and yeah, they they get a kick out of it. Yeah. They, they especially like Sweet Home Alabama. What about <laughs> other teachers? Now, you know, do other teachers do they're like, oh man, can you play? You know, teach me uh, how to play guitar. I, I, I or, or what can I, I do? I mean, those that you know, those that know who I am, you know, know there's people that are acquaintances and there's people that know the true you. If they know me, they realize this is part of the gig. My, you know, my classroom's known as it's not anything you or I would ever remember. And I bet you most of your (laughs) listeners would never have experienced a classroom like mine. So, so if you, if you could put yourself with a Hollywood teacher, Hollywood teacher, who would that be? Because in my mind, I'm thinking of uh, Robin Williams, like something that like you would walk into and he would just be like, you never know what you're going to get and what you're going to learn that day in your class. But that's just the way that I, the feeling I'm getting. I would agree. Well, I'm definitely not the guy in Ferris Bueller. <laughs> you know, not him. Um, I would say, you know, yeah. in fact, it's funny you bring that up. That's probably my most inspirational educational movie is Dead Poets Society. Okay. And the way he gets kids to want to extend and learn and think beyond you know, just fact recall. Fact recall to me are the notes. Yep. Think higher. Think of what, you know, the bigger picture and so forth. And uh, then kind of like when I was playing those two little songs, it's just a more, I think, fulfilling experience, you know, you know, educationally. And the kids enjoy it more. They, they, you know, what you and I may remember or may not, um, it was a lot of fact recall. It's a lot of regurgitation. It's mm-hmm. a lot of remember this to do this, to take the test, to move on, to do the next regurgitation right. session. Um, but our kids today have too many, uh, stimulus options. They have entertainment at their fingertips 24 yeah. seven. And if you try to do that style of teaching, which I'm sure some do and fight, you know, do what you do. Yep. You know, I'm not judging anyone. I'm just saying, uh, I I look at my class as an assault on your senses. I use anything with you know. And it probably sound changes t- all the time, it right? Does. I don't do anything the same, right? Right. Yeah. So, yeah. absolutely. So 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 okay. So you're a teacher. You play guitar, but then all of a sudden, you had this crazy, and I mean crazy, idea to start working out like crazy and starting to do Ironman competitions. Mm-hmm. Well, how did how in the heck did that come up? Well, that's I that 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 memory is vivid as well. And, <laughs> and my wife and I and our kids were up north uh, about I don't know six years ago or whatnot. And the first one wasn't really. I had done smaller triathlons, you know, okay. just because I said I was going to do it, and I said, and I did it. So I did about thirty of those prior to my big decision. So I told my wife, Cheryl, we're in the pool. The kids are swimming. I said, you know what? I'm going to go do the escape from Alcatraz triathlon. And she goes, huh? I said, yeah. 
and she goes, why would you think that you could swim the San Francisco Bay? And I said, I don't know. I said, but I'm going to do it. Yeah. She says, you're crazy. And I told her, I said, well, you know, you've been married to me long enough. When you tell me I'm crazy, you're gonna that's do when it. I'm going to do it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I did it. And it's probably one of the most beautiful memories I have, to be honest with you. Remember the notes we were talking yeah. about? You know, we jumped off a boat at Alcatraz Prison. Okay. Yep, I've been there. And I swam. Not in prison, but no, I've been I think, there. Yeah, I hope not. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> me either. But uh, I swam for about three minutes, and I rolled to my back. I'm not going to win the race anyway. I'm not. Right. A pro, I'm not there. It's not going to matter to me. And it's not. So I rolled to my back, and I just got let the current push me. And I was looking at the prison, and what a view. From the pe- water. Oh, my God. I mean, how many people can say? So I did that. And then I swam, you know, probably about 25 minutes more. And I rolled to my back again. And then I looked up and I'm looking at the Golden Gate Bridge. Yeah. And I'm like, wow. And I, I mean, I'm sure people, some people say, well, you might not want to look like a sea lion up at the top of the water because they're. <laughs> right. um, and regardless what people tell you, because they said, don't worry about sharks because they don't like the brackish water of the bay. All right. I'll tell your listeners right now, YouTube. Alcatraz great white attack. And you tell me if they're if they're sea lions people, they're gonna be great whites. <laughs> Let me tell you, there's even a picture in your upcoming book yeah. that you took from your GoPro. Mm-hmm. Oh, the dorsal oh, fin. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, I literally and, and I saw it again this morning when I was going through my notes, knowing that that you're gonna be here. And I was like, there's no flipping way. <laughs> I, and, and, and especially because I've been, it's Wednesday and I've been watching Shark Week for the last three days. <laughs> there's no possible way. I mean, so now when you did this and, and you set that goal, did you let your students know as well as your family? Well, that was, that's what uh, um, is important before you take on any endeavor, endeavor. And I do allude to it in there is have a purpose. Yeah. And being a, a teacher, teachers by nature are givers. They want to help. Yep. This is what you do. And I've always wanted to help kids in need. Kids that struggle, kids that are suffering really angers me. Mm-hmm. Disease, abuse, whatever the case may yeah. be. I don't like it. So my students and I, for that Alcatraz, um, we, did, we picked a charity together. And we raised money and we went out to the community and did some uh, economic things. Okay, back things. up. Back okay. up a second. I'm just, I'm just picturing this with you. Like, I, why you're telling the story, I'm in that story with you right mm-hmm. now. What the heck did your students think when you said, hey, guess what? They, I'm going to do this. That's what exactly what you said. They're like, they like Mr. D, you know, there, there's sharks and stuff. And I'm like, I, I'm like, I know. And they say pretty much what my, my wife says. You're crazy. Yeah. And, and again, that's just more fuel to the that's, fire. Yeah. So, so did, was that your inspiration then? Not only your family but now your students that had your back. Absolutely. Hey, did you work out today, Mr. D? Hey, did you do that, Mr. D? How did you know what I mean? What was that the fuel that you needed to well, do this? They they were partially the fuel. They they kept me honest. If that's the way, you, yeah. You know, you know, are you getting your training in? We we know that you're busy. Whatever you got to make sure you get this in. And so yeah, they all helped. They were your team. Yeah. But we had a purpose together, and that I remember vividly. That. Uh, charity we chose was something called Rett syndrome, which is a debilitating form of autism that only affects girls and really takes away their power of speech, their motor skills. Uh, uh, and it's just heartbreaking to watch. And I, at a were, young age, at, uh, well, they're usually they're born healthy and it's a few years later where cognitive wow. development begins to stop or slow down. And we actually had two girls in our district 
whose families uh, were around us that I reached out to because their daughters suffered from Rett syndrome. Right. So they would come in, uh, meet my kids, and and they would come to all of our events and whatnot. And we raised money. And, and um, in the end, I think, after all that we've done through the Ironmans and all the racing, we've raised over $20,000 for the charities that we've done. Oh, that's so, awesome. So, Congratulations. Well, thank, that's wonderful. Well, it's important. I want, I, it's always better to give. Yep. Absolutely. First of all, secondly, um, what a learning experience for my students to see that one of the greatest things you can do with this time we have here is to help your fellow human being. Absolutely. And I think they learned more from that experience than anything they're going to learn in any of their classrooms. So let's let's put this into perspective real quick. Okay. Just because I didn't know how big this Ironman thing was. The run is 26.2 miles. Yes, sir. That's a full marathon. Yes, sir. That you had to get ready for. Yes, sir. But not only that, you had to swim 2.4 miles. Yep. And not only that, then you had to pick up a bike and bike 112 miles all in the same day. In succession, yeah. So, yeah. Dude, so <laughs> so let's just talk a little bit about this. You go from teaching to now teaching yourself how to be disciplined, right? Mm -hmm. Because because not only are you a father. Yes, sir. You're a husband. You are a teacher. Mm -hmm. You had the train. Yeah. So, and not only that, I mean, I know that we live in Michigan and we have great lakes, but the great lakes are a little bit different than the ocean. Uh, oh yeah. So, so, but not only that, but where do you find time to run every day, bike every day? Like take us through a little bit of your daily training when it comes to doing this. Well, first it's important to know, and this is for, I don't, for my life anyway, is I don't compare myself to anyone else. If you Googled Ironman training workouts, most of them, you you couldn't have a job or a family or whatnot to get the amount of hours in that right. supposedly you need. So I wouldn't suggest anyone follow my training routine <laughs> because I can honestly tell you, I'm being dead honest, prior to the Ironman, none of my run work, the longest run workout I've ever done still to this day is 11 miles. Come on. Well, you... In the race, I'm on autopilot by right. then. Yeah, and right. once I'm running, I'm not going to stop. Um, the swim, I just I actually I taught myself to swim. I couldn't even do one length of a pool at your local Y until I started. And uh, so I would go to our local college, Oakland University, in my case, and I just swim and do you know swim for hours and whatnot. And I taught myself and got better and better. And uh, the bike's tough. The bike I usually did one a week. Okay. And I tell my wife who bless her soul, mm -hmm. I'd say, Han, I'm gonna be gone for probably about five hours. So on a bike. <laughs> on a bike. And uh and I and those were always at the end, because you know as I do in Michigan, biking weather doesn't really start kicking right. in until about May. Yeah. So I had I did long bikes, but only for those because the this last race was in July. So you're looking at me doing 50, 60, 70. I've never gone over 80 miles on a bike. Wow. Um for a workout. But like I said, when you're in the element, I figure if I can pedal 80, I'm going to go for 112. But when you look at it, like, Johnny, let's put it in perspective. People make – a lot of times people make things harder than they are, and it's not rocket science. I've, if I can swim a lap and I can float and whatnot, it's just jumping into a really big pool. Yeah. I don't care if it's San Francisco Bay, the Pacific Ocean, whatever. <laughs> it's just a really big pool, and you swim. A bike, since I had training wheels, I mean, once you learn how to pedal, you just pedal. Yeah. Let's keep going and running. I'm sure I figured that out when I was in diapers and it's just going out for a little run. It just happens to be a little longer than what most would do. Okay. So you have the workout routine. Yep. 
not only that, but to do something like this, it's expensive. What I read is the bikes are expensive. The wetsuits, <laughs> very expensive. The shoes are expensive. Did you have to learn the hard way what was a good bike, what was a good pair of shoes, what was a good wetsuit? Well, the wetsuit, you make one investment. I bought it, whatever, how many years ago, and I've used it to this day. But ironically, if I don't have to use it, I don't I don't like wearing a wetsuit because okay. it constricts my breathing. It makes you float better, <laughs> but at the cost of making it harder to breathe, at least for me. My bike, I call it my... It's a... Uh, it's, uh, it's a clunker. It's a trek, and there's nothing wrong with trek bikes. And it's a no, well, you got to put it this in perspective. I have guys. Remember, this is you know you're racing with common day men and women like myself, but the pros are there too. Right. There's bikes that pass me once, sometimes twice, that rival our trucks. Yeah. They're like twelve to fifteen grand. Yeah. These bikes. But again, we're all going from point A to point B. I'm not winning this thing anyway. Right. So right. I don't really care. Yeah. My shoes can hang with the best of them. I'll take my running shoes up against anyone. <laughs> but, you know, it just don't overthink it. It's just an experience to enjoy. Right. Do you remember when you crossed that that finish line the first time that, that you did one? Oh, my gosh. That, Talk I have a little them, bit about I have that. them both on uh, video. They're both on my YouTube channel. After And what is it so people can find it? Uh, teach for Endurance. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Uh, and uh, my family's there. Uh, this is at, I'm talking Lake Placid now. So you're in Olympic Village. What a place with history. I've been you ever there, seen, yeah. You ever seen Miracle? Yeah, I've been there. That, yeah. I ran oh, with the Olympic torch. Uh, oh, yeah, right over yeah. there on the wall. What, that place is just, is just filled with history. Okay. Yeah. So after about 14, 15 hours of racing, to, to, to put that in context, you and I could hop out right now, hop in the truck, and get to the Florida state line. <laughs> right. All right. So, um, and there's my family front and, and, and the Olympic circle there and cheering me on and I, I see him, I hear him calling me and I stop and we do it every time. I just get big hugs and kisses. We might take a selfie or two and my God, it's, it's the great, I, I got to tell you beyond the birth of my four kids, that is the, those are my greatest memories. Besides your family being there. Okay. I know that people line the streets. Mm -hmm. There's gotta be one story or one person that really sticks out that you're like, wow, that really inspired me. That person really was up there at the right place at the right time and said the right words to me. Does that, well, am, it, I, am, it, I, am oh, I making sense? I remember him greatly. It oh, was, really? it was, it was the second, uh, route out. So you do at, at Blake Placid, you do, uh, two 13 mile basically loops. Okay. Okay. And you've been to Lake Placid. Yeah. It's, it's not flat. Right. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm coming back on that second time around. So at that point, I'm hitting about 20 miles or so. And uh, I, there's this big hill. And there's this guy that's been out there all day dressed in a cape and like a Speedo and nothing else. <laughs> and I got to this hill and I'm like, I don't got it anymore. And I started to walk. And that was a bad mistake. Mm -hmm. This guy comes running out into the street. And I won't say what he said. But basically, he told me to get my butt moving. I didn't train all this time and be and been going all day this long to stop now. And he yelled at me. Wow. And uh, and he started jogging with, he says, let's go. <laughs> and uh, so I did it. And I ran. And I remember him to this day. And he he did. He 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 lit a fire, man. That was your angel that day. Huh? I don't, well, an angel and a Speedo and a cake. <laughs> I love that. So, okay, so you, you you have the people there inspiring you. And when I was going over my notes today mm -hmm. for the podcast, you know you know I do a lot of NASCAR yes, stuff. Yes, sir. And, and one of the biggest questions is that fans always want to know from a NASCAR driver, those drivers are sometimes in that car 
or that truck for three, four hours long. Mm-hmm. Well, guess what happens if you drink too much that that day? Mm-hmm. Water or whatever. Yeah. It means you have to go to the bathroom. Yep. And, and, and the number one question is, what happens when you have to go to the bathroom during a race? The answer is, they just go. Yeah. Right? Okay. Now, you are running 26.2 miles. Mm-hmm. You're swimming 2.4 miles. And you're biking 112 miles. Mm-hmm. Now, I don't know about you, but I have not gone 16 hours <laughs> In my life without going to the bathroom. I know this is crazy and you're looking at me like I'm nuts. And yes, I'm going to ask because I know that everybody's thinking the exact same thing right now. Brian, what do you do when you have to go to the bathroom knowing that you're going to swim, you're going to bike, and you're going to run? Do you take one of the three? Because <laughs> because here's the, here's, the, here, here, here's the thing. Okay, you may not win, but it comes down to seconds. Mm-hmm. And those seconds could beat your time. Yeah, or not beat your time. Oh, I get it. So, I, what happens? Honestly, and it it depends. Obviously, the early. <laughs> let's say my swim heat starts at seven a.m. That morning, you know, I'm up already at three thirty, whatever, mm-hmm. for getting ready for and going to get transition stuff. I take care of business early because you're you got the butterflies, you got, and so let's I take care of that then. Mm-hmm. Do some people when they hop in the water and start swimming? I'm sure there's plenty of of, of potty breaks in the water. Let's just put. <laughs> but um, on the bike, there's always there are aid stations um, and there's some porta potties. But the I can tell you honestly, and on the run too, there you know each I think each mile or so at Lake Placid you have aid stations, so it's not like you can't go. But you're talking about seconds and whatnot. But I can tell you with the amount of calories that I'm burning and the amount that you sweat, I rarely, I can't remember the last time I had to stop a bike or a run to go to the bathroom. And I'm being dead honest. Okay. I really am. Because everything I take in, I'm expelling through sweat and whatnot. So I really don't have to go right. that often. So what about eating then? Because again, I can't think of the of a time that I went 16 hours without at least nibbling mm-hmm. on something. Well, that's part of no. That's part that a lot of people don't talk about. Your training, you gotta know what works for you. Don't like, for example, I would not test new foods <laughs> on the bike or on the run or whatever without knowing that they sit well in your stomach. Okay, so I on the bike, I survived the first fifty-six point whatever miles with these gummy chews that I do that I okay. train with, and I know they set well. Yep. And I have my drinks. Obviously, I have drinks that I've used a long time, and I right. enjoy those. But then here's the secret. We're really going to tell my, me the Yes. My wife. You're made, only telling me this because you know darn well that I'm not going to ever I, I, do this. I, I know. <laughs> my wife, after the first 56 mile, miles I, or whatever in the bike, I go into this like a little aid bag that I have on my bike, okay, where I keep the gummies yeah. and whatnot. And she makes me a half uh, almond butter, peanut butter, and alver, almond slivers and chocolate chip sandwich. Okay. Protein galore with a little a little nastiness of chocolate in there just because <laughs> to let me know that everything is going to be okay. And I eat that and that's all. And then until the run, that's all I need. So that takes me through the next 56. Did she leave you a little note with that? They always do. The kids do. I have notes. Really? That they I was, ha- was just going to be funny with you, but they really do. No, they do. They leave that's me notes awesome. that are hidden where they know I'll find them at point, like in my train, they're called transition bags. Yep. So let's say I get off the bike and I go get my transition run bag. I open it up to get stuff out. And all of a sudden there's these cards or notes in there. Yeah. And that's, that's all. I, that's really all I need. That's cool. Hi, so, so okay, there's hundreds and hundreds of men and women doing these, mm-hmm. okay? How do you find your bike? Because, listen, there's only so many colors in the cram box. <laughs> so, I mean, do you do something different 
to, I mean, I, I, I guess th- this is the simplest way that I'm asking you is like when I go get my luggage every single week that I'm gone, mm-hmm. I do something a little bit different to my luggage so it sticks out because I know <laughs> that every other one's going to be black. Yeah. For you, what do you do to prepare yourself when you transfer from your swim to your bike ride? What do you do to know where your bike is? So you don't, you're not flopping through everybody else's. Oh, I'm a big fan of, of this simple little saying. So learn it, live it, love it. Uh, plan your work and work your plan. So are you I, telling me that because I'm you found you, out the hard way? I did. I actually, I've never not found my bike. Uh, you have, first of all, you have to rack them very specifically. You have a number. Okay. So when you go that morning, let's say I get there at 435 in the morning. I find the row that I'm in, they're usually lettered, and then you have a row of a bunch of bikes, absolutely, but I remember which direction it's going, because they all have to be racked uh, a proper way, and then I might lay a towel down. Let's say I'll have my SpongeBob towel. Okay. So when I come out of the swim and I'm running- SpongeBob, yeah, right? I love SpongeBob. <laughs> okay, that's what I thought you said. <laughs> I, well, I have a SpongeBob beach towel, and, that, and so when I'm running in, taking the wetsuit off, if that's the case, I'm looking on the- I go to the letter- and then I look on the ground, and I'm looking for SpongeBob. It's a towel that not many people have at an right. Ironman, and that gets me to <laughs> where I need right. to go. That's where I get to go. So, so let's get back. Okay, so so we're talking about the Ironman. We're talking about your kids. One cool thing that I saw, and I actually saw a picture of this um, in your classroom. You have a huge bulletin board. Mm-hmm. Tell everybody what that is, and do you have the same bulletin board? for every class for every year, or does it change up from year to year? Well, in years past, obviously I've been doing this for quite some time, you'd change your bulletin boards, blah, blah, blah. I only have one in my classrooms. Everyone's okay. room is different. This board remains now because it's the first lesson on, you know, when I meet my students and it's and I live by it and I have my own kids live by it. And I'm sure you've seen on the bulletin board, my wife made me these uh two drawings on canvases of a song I love by Van Halen. It's called Right Now. Okay. All right. And then on there, I have all my medals and so forth. It's kind of like my glory be to me wall. And, but it's not, it's not, it's, well, it's Listen, not what it, it is all about it, you. It's, I mean, it's, but it's, it's cause I'm trying to show, I tell my students and so forth, and I've already alluded to it with you. You only get one shot at this life. Yeah. I don't see a whole lot of point in worrying or regretting things that have already happened. And I don't see a whole lot of point in worrying or being concerned about things that may or may not come because you're not guaranteed it. Right. If you put all your energy into what is in front of you, the experience right now, your children, the race, the class of students that are looking at you wanting to learn something. If you immerse yourself in the right now, you you see so much more and you experience so much more and it's so much more fulfilling. It just is. So being a father, a husband, a triathlon, a teacher, you now are going to be an author. Yes. I sir. want a little I want to talk a little bit about that because and then we're just going to talk about everything. But I okay. want to make sure I, I get all this stuff in because okay. one, I've got to read a lot of your mm-hmm. chapters of the new book. And uh, first of all, let me say this book that is coming out, um, it's a great read. It's a simple read. Yeah. It, 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 it really, it's like you, you give a point, tell a story. Give mm-hmm. a point, tell a story. And this is going to be great for a, a, a I don't want to say young, young kid, but, you know, 10, 11, mm-hmm. 12, all the way up to adults because mm-hmm. it's like several times I know that I sent you a message going, dude, I love your mm-hmm. book. This is a great book. So after doing all this, where did you come up with the idea of saying, you know what, I got to put all this on paper? Uh, well, 
when you were talking about training, swimming is a very, well, for me, you can have group swims, but I swim by myself. And if I'm swimming, you know, for an hour, two hours, in some cases, three hours, it's a very solitary, lonely experience. (laughs) And, uh, but that's where most of my ideas in the book came up was um, while I'm swimming. You know, these ideas came in my head. I'm always thinking about what I'm going to do in my class, my lesson plans, whatnot. And while I was swimming and I'm thinking about all the strategies I use to, to train and to race, I'm like, you know what? These are universal. These things that I do to, to survive these races are the same things that I've done to survive another endurance event, which is the academic school year. Right. And I started uh, just, you know, crossing the T's, dotting the I's, and I started putting ideas together, basically analogies of how this correlates with my life as a teacher, or even in some cases, just life in general. Um, you have um, things that are going to go easy for you, and you have times that are just going to crush your spirit. And I've learned all those things through racing and I've experienced them in life and teaching. So, so, so basically you're, you're swimming Mm -hmm. and and was, was, I just have to touch on this real quick. Was all your swimming done in a pool? Yep. I, so, so you swam in a pool up until race time. Yeah. I've never done an open water. I did. No, I, I I did one open water practice the day before Alcatraz. I met this wonderful gentleman that had his own little tugboat and he would, (laughs) he would take you out to the prison and he'd say, okay, jump. And you jump in and he said, I'm going to be way over there. I'll see you when you're ready. So I just swam circles around Alcatraz because I wanted to get a feel for that. That is the only open water training session I've ever done. So you didn't do this by the textbook because most people would be going out to the rivers, going out to the lakes and everything Mm -hmm. else. So so when you kicked things off... Mm -hmm. I just have one last question before we get back to the book, because I I have friends that have done like the mini Mm -hmm. triathlons and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And they said the swim, you literally get your butt kicked, like literally Mm -hmm. kicked in the face and and you can't get mad because people are are all, you're, you're, you're just moving around that many people. Is that true? Yeah. It's, I call it, and I'm sure other, it's called the wash machine. So you got X amount of people trying to fit in to a specific space and trying to get any, uh, benefit they can. And a lot, most people like to try to stay close to the buoys. It helps you mark, helps you sight. I, as everything you've heard, I don't do anything normal. (laughs) I actually go further away and I'll take the extra length swimming for the peace of mind that I'm not going to be kicked in the, because I have been kicked in the face. I have been just, I've had a guy panic and hold me under the water. I've been through all of it. Wow. Um, so it really isn't worth it for, like I said, I'm not going to win. So if I have to move far to the left and swim an extra 300 meters, whatever the case may be, right. I'm going to do it. Okay. Okay. So so you're you're, you're in your swim, mm-hmm. you're, and, and it's this daily thing. And then all of a sudden, you get this epiphany of <laughs> wanting to write a book. Yeah, it's it's it was the same. The epiphany, as you say, was the same as it was the same thing that I told my wife. So I said, I said, Cher, I'm going to write a book. And she says, Huh? She goes, you're crazy. And again, yeah. So if you don't want me to do something, don't tell me that. (laughs) And so I did it. And I got to tell you, she's been my greatest supporter and my biggest critic. Right. She is, you know, she's a Isn't that tough? When (laughs) when you have like, like, okay, me and you both are very artistic people. And it's tough when you put your, your heart into something. And then the person that cares about you supposedly the most tells you something stinks. Be- well, it and I, she, she has been harsh, and, and and this book would have been out a year ago had it not been for her critiques. I rewrote the end of every chapter 
because of her. Really? And it's a better book for it. Yeah, absolutely. But it's, it's tough though, isn't it? it? Taking criticism is tough in any capacity. Yeah. It's but you just you gotta go with it. So so you how did you start writing the book? Is it, you know, some people just start grabbing pieces of paper? Mm -hmm. Did you sit behind your computer? I mean, what was your format? Because I'm starting to know, notice a pattern with you and you don't <laughs> do things typical. No. So I do it, let's say I did a swim workout and an idea came to me. The second I got home. You'd write it down. I'd write it down. Just the idea, the big ideas and so forth. And then I would put that into, like you say, almost like a story format or, or whatnot. And that's how I did it. Or if I came up with an idea on the bike, the same thing. I When I got home, I would, and it just yeah. kind of grew from there. Talk about Feed the Shark. Oh, <laughs> Uh, you you talk about that right before chapter three, I believe. And I don't know where it is now in the book, yeah. but but you talk about you know feeding the shark in you, and yeah. and it, talk a little bit about that and why and how that came up. I, well, feed the shark. I look at as um, I don't I don't want. I'm not judging anybody. Right. I'm just saying that sometimes you need to face your fears. Absolutely, and. It, you might still be scared of whatever that fear is, but when you face it, it's such an accomplishment and, and, and an intrinsic motivation for you that you might be more apt to try other challenges or or not be yeah. afraid to try something. Because as I said, you get one shot at this. And the last thing I want, I'll tell you right now, regret lasts longer than fear. Absolutely. And the less regret I have within this life, the better off I think for me, I, I'm going to be for it. Yeah. So that's what feed the shark is, you know, whether you know, don't be afraid necessarily to, to go against your, your comfort zone. That's awesome. What, what, what did your kids think when you decided that you were going to write a book and then you told your, your kids, were they pretty pumped for you? Oh yeah. Yeah. They're, they're my biggest supporters along with my wife and they just said, you know, and they read chapters, they look at it, they, they, give ideas. They have memories in it. They're in there. There's pictures of them in the book and so forth. So I couldn't do any of it without a good support system and that, that they are my support. So, so when you talk about the murky depths, Oh, I love that. <laughs> no. So do I, are you just talking about racing or are you no, talking about life in that's general? A big metaphor. Yeah, it is. All right, so talk a little bit about that because I just, I love that title. When I, when I saw that, that's the part that, that really got me Be because it, you know, in our lives, mm -hmm. you have to surround yourself with good people. Otherwise, you're going to be dragged down to the bottom real quick. Mm -hmm. And that's kind of like what I got out of that was like, hey, listen, you you don't like you don't want to be there. No. <laughs> uh, well, the murky depths is uh, from a racing perspective. Let's say you and I jump off the boat at Alcatraz. Well, OK, I'll be in the boat. I right. watch you all jump right. off. All the right. boat. Well, OK, <laughs> it's 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 not clear. OK, you're not going to see to the bottom. It's very yeah. murky. You know there's critters down there. There just is. <laughs> now, am I going to swim to the best of my capabilities, allowing my energy to be sucked away by fear and apprehension by what could or may not be below me? Right. It's not going to work. Okay? Fear, anger, all those are energy zappers. Yep. They will suck the life right out of you. So the murky depths in my life, or, let's, or school or whatever, um, I allude to the fact of what doesn't give me a return on my investment. What if I feel, I only want to be around people that make me feel good to be around them. Right. I don't have time in life for BS. I don't have time in life for fake people. I don't have time for any of that. I want people that I can lift up and that lift me up and I'm just happier for it. So that the murky depths of there's always going to be critters in our life yeah. in your workplace or wherever 
that are going to try to suck you down. I just refuse to go there. Brian, who are some of the people in your life that motivates and inspires you? Um, I mean, be, because you make a living motivating mm-hmm. and inspiring our youth. I'd say, well, my biggest motivator uh, was my mom. Okay. You know, and, and she, you know, I, she passed away when I was in eighth grade. So, she, but she raised me while battling cancer from second grade when she found out about the cancer until eighth grade. And she was a nurse. She worked hard. You never, she never let it get to her. And she was the greatest mom. And the fact that she was able to do that and, and provide for me while suffering from, uh, in that case, Hodgkin's disease. I, what a hero and, and the love of my life. Um, so she's my greatest motivator today. Obviously, you know, my wife motivates me to be a better person, but the, it's those four kids of mine. I will never, ever, ever let them see me quit when I say I'm going to do something right. ever. And I hope when I'm gone, that that helps to carry them through and their adulthood and their family lives and so forth. That's awesome. I have to get back to the, the, uh, you know, the, the race uh-huh. and the transition of, you know, um, what's up with, with, I, I watched a couple of videos this morning. What's up with you athletes running with your bike and jumping on it? Well, you already said it's all about seconds. It's all about seconds. So is that it? It's well, uh, at Lake Placid, for example, you have, if you, I mean, what do they call it? The flying mount or something like that? I don't know. I'm sure there's a name for it, but it's just you you want to, you know, get moving as fast as you can because you only get so, – so imagine you train for a year for a race. Well, at Lake Placid, you have until I, – I could be wrong here, but I think it's around 4 p.m. If you've biked 103 miles right, and you miss that cutoff, your day is done. Oh, they wow. will take you off the course and say, we're sorry. And that's just – what a deflating experience yeah. and, and heartbreaking. Uh, luckily I haven't endured that, but I've seen people get taken off the court. So anytime you can move, you better move. Wow. That's crazy. You know, you, you talk about purpose and stuff like that, Mm -hmm. you know, with the new book coming out, you running these, you know, triathlons, Mm -hmm. what's next for you? I think, (laughs) well, there were, there were two on my mind. And again, my, my greatest critic and supporter, as we saw, you know, yeah. The first was a hundred mile run, which is, I think it's called the Ultraman. Okay. Um, and I'm still weighing that, but I think what I really want to do, because I love the water. I found a race called the Mighty Mac, which is you jump off a boat at St. Ignace and you swim four miles next to the Mackinac Bridge in our home state, yeah. all the way over to Mackinac City. Oh, that's cool. So I think that might be it. That's just crazy. I mean, I still, I'm still thinking about this. I mean, I don't really know what's inside your mind to to uh, race in something that takes over 15 hours to do. I mean, it still boggles my mind. Let, let, let me ask you this. What's tougher, teaching or preparing for a race? Teaching. It's not a, not a, not a question. Not a question. Do you listen to music? Like, does, like, does music inspire you? And, and are you allowed to listen to music during a triathlon? That's now that's that's tough. Training, yes, I listen. Okay, uh, um, I do. I shouldn't. I should not be riding riding a bike with listening to music. I'm the first to say it. But um, running and so forth in a race, no, you cannot. It's a safety issue. It's a legal issue. But what's nice is, like you had seen in pictures, Lake Placid, for example, is a party. 
They're all parties when you get on the run. <laughs> and there's people out in their front uh, lawns with Metallica blasting. Yeah, but everybody's and, partying but you guys. Well, they offer you. <laughs> they, right. they come out and they say, but I don't think a beer at that point is going to do me any good. But they, they're rocking. Yeah. So I do have on that run, There are there's music. But okay. no, it, Have you ever you, wanted to grab a beer? Not in a race, no. No. <laughs> no. I'm just curious. Not at all. <laughs> Would not go well. But uh, so, so let me ask you this. What's the best advice you've been given about teaching? Oh, wow. Uh, you know, I honestly, I, I, I'm t- I, nothing's coming to me because I don't really think I was given anything like monumental. I'm sure some people over the years, you know, especially in my early years, you know, said some things in passing. But again, I'm, can I go back to that rocket science yeah, thing and not making things so difficult? Yeah. I don't really need advice necessarily because in the end, I know in my mind the answer. Our kids, whether they're seniors in high school or they're kindergarten, want someone that loves them, cares for them, and wants the best for them. That's all they want. It, learning is secondary. And that's how I look at it. It's not that difficult. Right. That's, that's it. So let me ask you this then. That leads right into my, my next question. What is your favorite or what's a success story that sticks out the most about your teaching, okay. you know, years of, you know, be, be, because listen, I mean, I can go back and, and, and I know that there are certain teachers that um, were really tough on me and I hated them, <laughs> but, but I remember them because they motivated me to mm-hmm. prove them wrong. Okay. There was others that motivated me to be the person that I am today and they just taught different, but both of them still motivated me. Yep. Later on in life, you've been doing this long enough now where kids have are adults now. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. And and have, you know, do you have one of those success stories that someone came back and said, Mr. D, thank you for everything? I have, yeah, and I, I keep them all. I call them my emotional bank account. Yeah. I have letters. I have emails. I have cards. I have pictures. And I save them all. So I have tons of stories for all those. I've had kids mm-hmm. that were going through difficult times uh you know, with home issues or substance issues or even going away for some time I've had, mm-hmm. you know, and I hear from uh, tons of them and I keep it all. And why it's important, in my opinion, that emotional bank account, because when that thing happens that ticks you off yeah, or you have that bad day or whatever, I look back and to see if I have a healthy balance sheet. And the positives so far outweigh the once in a while that a negative arises. It just keeps things in perspective. You know, it's not really that big a deal. So how do you, as a teacher, now I, mm-hmm. I'm going to put this question in increments here. Okay. When you have a bad day at school, how do you not take it home with you? Or is that something that you go work out first, <laughs> then go, go home, home to your wife and children? Um. Honestly, it's all about it's all about to me perspective and the viewpoint. Um, yeah, do I get mad? Yeah, everyone gets mad. Yeah. yeah. Um, but when I get home, and the kids are there or whatnot, it's a real quick change uh, because they need the best of me. So I'm I've become an artist at uh, the baggage drop. Let's call it. I don't let. <laughs> I again, that. I told I told you I don't have time for BS. None of us do. So right. I just, I dump, I, I cannot say, does working out help? Absolutely. But I will yeah. not take home to my children 
anything from a negative realm that is, is, has come to me throughout the day. They don't deserve that. So, so okay. But they can learn from it, though, right? Yeah. That, so, so, so you could take something that you learned at school, knowing that we have children at mm-hmm. home, and say, hey, listen, this is what not to do. Because oh, yeah. I just learned this today. Or because, listen, we're getting older and things are getting crazier and crazier out there. Oh, absolutely. With, with, with social media, mm-hmm. the whole deal. We didn't have to deal with that no. when we were in school. No. <laughs> you know what I mean? And But these kids, are they do have to deal with it. And mm-hmm. it's tougher. It is. You I know agree. what I mean? I agree. Um, that's, that, that's a tough one. And that's something that I, I, I battle in the classroom because they, you know, they're so tethered to those electronic uh, things. Are they allowed are to have that? phone or that device Ever, in your room? Technically they're not supposed it depends. <laughs> technically no, I, but yeah. well with tech there's you know there's good and bad with anything. I I have had them have their phones in class to utilize because um there's so many applications that you know I like uh, that they can use on the spot to do something that's a great learning experience. I have no problem with that. Um, would I have a problem while we're doing something or teaching that they're, if they're texting or floating around the internet? Absolutely. And does that happen? I'm sure it does, but I try to find a happy medium. Right. I, moderation is kind of in my mind, the key. Yeah. I love this because we're jumping around a lot here, but I mean, you are such a unique person mm-hmm. now, you know, being a teacher, mm-hmm. a father, a husband, a triathlon, um, now you have got into the arena mm-hmm. of the speaking business. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I just wondering if there was any more that you could possibly put on your plate. <laughs> I'll tell you, I'll tell you honestly, right now, I could keep adding on my plate, and it doesn't equate to the amount of work that my wife or moms do. Yeah, they have the hardest job, and and if she, I would never complain about you know, adding things to my list. I told you earlier, as a teacher, we're givers. Yep. I just want to to help people with, you know, my message. I see teachers struggling now. I see teachers leaving the profession. I see te- people not going into the profession for a variety of reasons. Right. But no matter what, you, we, all of us, we're greatly needed. So if I can help anyone overcome that, that fear of being a teacher or yep. of wanting to stay in it, then I'm going to try to do so. Okay. So so what would be one piece of advice that you could give to somebody that is listening to this podcast that's thinking about getting into the teaching business? Um, that's a good one. Uh, <laughs> You're like, next question. <laughs> I would have to – there's a lot – in there, but I, I go back to that one of the, the early ones, which is, you know, and you and I talked about is have a purpose. Yeah. If you don't have a goal, it's you're really swimming against the current. Right. For, right. Okay. And it's going to make things far more difficult. You know, what is your goal? Is your goal to get rich? Well, you're going into the wrong profession. Right. Yeah, <laughs> I'm just telling absolutely. you right now. But there's a lot more that you get out of it than something monetary. And like you said, all those letters, emails, whatever. Um, what other profession can you touch so many people? Yeah. And 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 hopefully make our future better. And that's, if you have a distinct purpose, that's, I think, what you need first. Why right. are you doing what you're going to do? Right. All right, so Brian, you you take... You're, you're teaching serious. You've been doing it for 23 years, right? Uh, actually, this will be 25. 25 years, yeah. 25 years. And then all of a sudden, you decide that you want to be a speaker. Now, you are a guy that's been doing this for 25 years, so you've heard a whole bunch of speakers like mm-hmm. myself come to yep. you know to the school and, and speak to the kids. 
what were you thinking when you decided that, hey, you know what? I want to be a motivational speaker. <laughs> uh, I, well, as with most things, I don't put a whole lot of forethought in front. I just say I'm going to do it. But that comes with people, like I said, people have told me that it would be good for me to do so. I've had people visit and say, you know, God, you get us fired up or yeah. you've really, and when people just like your student would say, you've really motivated or inspired me. Yeah. So that's what, what it was. And really, and I've also had an opportunity to travel around the country doing things for technology, things for Microsoft and, and so forth. So I've met a lot of people that way. Right. So it just kind of came together. Okay. So, so do you remember the first time that you got up and had to give a keynote speech and how nerve wracking was it for you? Well, I don't even know if it would be considered at this point. I mean, there's different levels of keynotes. I've seen things that you've done that you have an auditorium filled yeah. and I've seen smaller gigs and whatnot. Um, I've never, it's hard to explain. I don't get nervous. No, with no, because I've been through so. I mean, we talk. I've been through so much. It's, plus, it's your story. It's my yeah, and but helping is what we do. Yep. So it's it's just like I said. I don't get overthink the swim or the bike or the run, and I'm not overthinking helping people. So me and you have a little bit in common here when it comes to because I'm the exact same way. When I say I'm going to do it, I just do it. Mm -hmm. There, I. I don't do things right. <laughs> I don't, I just do it. Yep. And people are like, well, how did you pull it off? Because you're supposed to do this, this, and this, but mm -hmm. you did it like that, that, and that. And I'm like, I put my mind to it and I just did it. Yeah. And and I think that sometimes people lack that motivation to believe in themselves. Would you, would you agree? Oh, I, oh, wholeheartedly. Um, like I not saying that me and you are doing it right. Uh, oh, I don't. We do, just do it different. I don't do anything right. <laughs> I'm a, and I'll, I'll tell you that now. Um, but I have, you know, I like to say because I have all kinds of little things uh, that I like to say to my students or just to anybody in passing is drop the GPS and chart your own path. There you go. None of us have, you know, a straight line gig through this thing. I I, I love that, and I've heard a long time ago by this truck driver friend of mine. He said, every road leads somewhere. Uh, you're right. Think yeah. about that for a second. Every road leaves, leads somewhere. So stop being scared. Absolutely. And I thought about that and I was like, that man just taught me something so real. Like, stop being scared. Just do it. Absolutely. Let, let, let me ask you this. In a society that it's all about me, 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 right now, mm -hmm. right now, right now, right now. We all have bad days. Oh, yeah. You know what I mean? And me and you would be lying to everybody listening right now mm -hmm. if you if you said, well, I don't have bad days. What do you do, Brian, Mr. D, <laughs> when you have one of those days that life had has got the best of you for a little while? Uh, that's good. Um, well, again, I try to, and I try to take perspective or, or a different viewpoint or whatnot. Um, so let me say that if I have a rotten day or life has gotten the best of me, I remind myself first of what I do have. And if I got my four kids yep. and, and a wife and, and they, you know, love me, that's step one. Okay. Mm -hmm. So there the perspective starts to shift. Um, do we have a, a roof over our heads? Do they have clothes? I mean, the basic yeah. ascent. That's when you break it down to the bare necessities of what really all we need, truly need, 
it brings things back in perspective. But I do want to share with you why it's important to to have something to hold on to like that, whatever it might be. I don't yeah. care if it's a stuffed animal or it's a, a favorite song, whatever. Allowing yourself to keep getting sucked down is a black hole you'll never get out of. Amen, yeah. Black holes are, are strong. Yep. And if you get sucked into one, you better get your butt out as quick as possible or it's going to get uglier. Mm-hmm. And that's just how I, I don't want I, – I, I refuse to go down that path. Yeah. I'll have a crappy day. Trust me. I have plenty of them. Right. But I'm not going to allow whatever it was to dictate my my course. Right. If that makes sense. Yeah, absolutely. So, so you know, just real quick, um, I, I want to make sure that people know how to follow you. So can you go through, like, your social media and stuff like that so people know how to find you? Uh, well, the easiest way is, is Twitter and it's just at teach for endurance and in the, it's the number four. So teach T E A C H, then the number four and then endurance. How did you come up with that? I mean, cause that's pretty cool all by itself. Well, it's, it's kind of like with teaching, with life, with whatever we endure every single day. Some things are easier to endure than other. Mm-hmm. And then obviously the endurance races that I do Yeah, and I'm a teacher. Yep. So you know, I, I thought of it and, and trademarked it because it's like, I'm teaching and living for the long haul. Yeah. You know, whatever time I'm given here, I'm going to get as much out of as I can. So I know that you play covers. Mm -hmm. Do you ever write your own licks? Oh yeah. My, uh, well, I don't want to date us, but you were <laughs> actually back in high school. I they I wrote our, our our class graduating song, and they raised they all donated and sent me to a studio to record it. Wow! So that's I have cool. that, so um there that was the beginning. But yeah, I, my podcast, even though it's not as nearly as cool as yours, <laughs> um, I, each intro I have an intro and an outro to each podcast. Those are all little gigs or not gigs, little licks that I've written and I've put together on GarageBand with nothing more than a guitar, a keyboard, and that's it. Really? Yeah. Brian Dalton, I it has been an absolute pleasure to hang out with you, but I do have one last question for you. Yes, and, sir. And, and, and that is, I've asked this question a couple times on the um, podcast, and let's just say, hypothetically speaking, you leave here from the studio today and you stop and you buy a lottery ticket. Okay. You go home and tomorrow you found out that you won the lottery. You won the lottery. Okay. You, you, I mean, you won so much money that you would never be able to spend it all during your lifetime. Okay. Would your life change? What would you do? Uh, <laughs> well, first, I, you know, I would probably keep working because otherwise I get, I get bored easy, as you can tell. <laughs> um, obviously the most important, I'd make sure that the kids, it all go to them. Right. I mean, pretty much in the end and definitely with, you know, charities, I told you about how it hurts me to see kids. Yeah. So I'm sure they would get a, a, a nice chunk. Cause if you look back, it's easy to say, because I'm not going to win, well, but you don't know that, I, I don't, well, okay. It's a, even <laughs> if I won, I'm grounded in what's important to me and, and because of my childhood and losing my, and I lost my dad at a young age too. So I basically raised myself. Wow. Okay. Um, I'm so happy and blessed to have the family that I have that that's all I want. Honestly, I got, yeah. And I already got my couple guitars. I'm good. (laughs) So, um, it's, it might sound corny, but it's, it's what gets me up in the morning are 
or is my family. Yeah. It truly is. I, I, um, it's funny because I'm often asked the exact same question. People will throw it right back on me and they're like, well, what would you do? What would you do? Mm-hmm. I said, my life wouldn't change. I like where I live. Mm-hmm. I like what I drive. Yep. My daughter's taken care of. Like I wouldn't stop working. I wouldn't stop speaking. I, w- I mean, because it's not work for me. It's yeah. what I live for every single day. I've been put on this earth to do one thing and I'm, I'm doing it. Absolutely. Nobody can tell me anymore that I can't do it because I am doing it. And, and, and I'm know, having fun doing it. And you know what? Without that, without purpose, you can be a gajillionaire without purpose and you're going to get no meaning out of life. Yeah. Zero. What's, um, I'm going to let you wrap it up any way that you want. Maybe it's an inspirational story. Maybe it's somebody that inspired you. I'm going to let you take this last minute or two and uh, end this podcast any way that you see fit knowing okay. that they just heard all about your life or at least a little bit about this, that, and the yeah. other thing. Um, the floor is yours, all my right, friend. Right. Well, thank you, sir. Um, honestly, it's not that difficult. Uh, my mom instilled in me what it was to be, to unconditionally love something or someone and to leave them better after they're gone. And even though she was taken far too early from Mm me, those, you know, up until May 18th of eighth grade, she taught me so much. Yeah. If I instill a sense of never giving up, of never quitting and, and going for your dreams, don't let anyone tell you that you're insane. Um, I may be, and that's fine. (laughs) But, um, if I can instill that in my children, and they can instill that to their families when they're older. And those students that I have in front of me in this crazy world that you alluded to, mm-hmm. don't let anyone get in the way or tell you that you can't achieve what you want to achieve. Yeah. And that's it. That's so true, too. Brian Dalton, it has been an absolute pleasure. And people can find you how again? Uh, easiest way I say would be Twitter. So that, at Teach for Endurance. Okay. Right. Well, I can. I, I can't believe that it's like I said over an hour. I appreciate you bringing your your baby blue, <laughs> baby blue, yeah, yeah and uh, <laughs> hanging out with us and telling your story. And I can't wait for for the book. Does the book have a title yet? Uh, Teach for endurance, uh, surviving the swim, bike, and run in today's classroom. Oh, nice. Okay, awesome. Is it, and so and so so. Do you have the uh, the whole uh, 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 cover done and everything? All like of it. All uh, my cover has a rubber ducky. No kidding. Yes, it does. Oh. that was the only that was the <laughs> the thing I told the artist. It's got to have a rubber duck, and it does. So. Nice, nice. Well, hey man, thanks again. I appreciate you. This is Johnny D, the motivational cowboy. Don't forget to choose a platform to listen to this podcast, and you can choose that platform. Platform on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify, YouTube, SoundCloud, and Player FM. And don't forget, now you can make donations to the podcast. If you like what you hear, you can donate to PayPal, or you can support on Patreon, and you can go right to MotivationalCowboy.com, which is my website. And again, if you're looking for a motivational speaker for your next event or gig, don't forget to check out MotivationalCowboy.com. This is Johnny D, the Motivational Cowboy, telling you, be safe, have fun, and have yourselves an outstanding day. We'll see you next time on the Outstanding Life Podcast. Outstanding Life is a Soul Bridge Studio production.